Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Can you believe that it's been 22 years since that day, September 11th, 2001? Um, it's sometimes, I know they say, you know, we always remember, but sometimes September 11th just kind of creeps up on us, doesn't it? School starting and summer's over and you're finishing up that last minute school shopping and vacations and then suddenly you're kind of slapped in the face with this reality like, wow, that was, um, for many of us, a part of history that we um, lived through, that we witnessed firsthand. Um, we're in this next level series, um, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but as I was thinking about this weekend, and there's so many documentaries and specials that you can watch about it, and I, I honestly, I try to, I try every year to take time and and watch one of those documentaries and watch that footage again. Um, just to remind myself of, of what happened and, and to not forget those who did sacrifice so much and lost their lives and what our country went through as a whole. Um, I was only probably nine, well, 2001. I was about 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. I was in a small Christian academy in Westfield, Massachusetts. It was a small Baptist church that we attended and they had a small academy with about 30, 40 students kind of in the basement of the church. And um, I remember, um, I, was pro I don't even know what grade I was in. I was obviously in elementary school. And because there was really no classrooms, it was just a few small rooms, and it was K through 12, and those were like 30 students. It was very small. And someone found a, they brought a small, I, I remember coming in from recess, and there was several of the upperclassmen gathered around a small radio. And I'm like, what's going on? I was just a kid. And then they found a small, old, television, like, like there were probably nicer TVs in 2001 than the one that they used, but um, whoever brought it must have had it from when they were younger. And it was this old tiny TV with an antenna and they put it up in front of the classroom and it was kind of, I don't even know if, I can't remember if there's even color or not um, on that TV. And as a small boy, I remember seeing these two tall buildings on fire. I didn't even know what the World Trade Centers were. I was only nine years old. And then, um, I, as far as I remember, we, we saw the, it was so quick that we saw the second plane hit. And all the, I remember all the adults being so like, the kids, I was shocked and under, didn't understand it fully, but I knew it was a big deal. We ended up moving upstairs to the, because it was in the church building, so we ended up moving up to the auditorium, which is a very small than this auditorium. And they had a nicer TV with color. that was a little bit bigger. And the whole student body, they had our whole student body, um, sit there and just kind of watch this. And I'm grateful that they did that. I'm grateful that they didn't shield us from that as kids and just say, hey, keep going to class. And like, we were able to be a part of that history and, and see it. I remember vividly as a kid watching this and watching the towers smoking and hearing the, the fear and even the reporters' voices and people being up in the helicopters and they're talking. And I remember the first tower when it, when it fell, when it collapsed. And someone in the news studio said something like, hey, we saw some movement in Tower One. What's going on? And the person in the helicopter, the reporter, was just 
hysterical of just, it just, and, they were, and I remember as a kid being like, this is really a big deal. We watched both towers fall. And I, I have no doubt that every one of you that were alive during that time remember exactly where you were, the moment that you heard the news, that you found a television set, maybe you were at work, maybe you were in school, who knows, a day that you'll never forget. And, and, and even the aftermath of it. Yes, obviously, you know, I'm not talking about all the wars and things. I'm talking about just our country really rallying together, didn't they? Do you remember all the flags everywhere and people have them on their cars? And, and even thinking about it gets me emotional because I feel like we're so divided right now. But, but then just the, everybody, no matter who you were, no matter what you believed in, it was like, man, this is, this is our country and, 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 and we love our country. And, 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 and they had their flags and waving them and every sports game was just, it was all about like, man, we need to stand together. And the phrases that you hear each year, you saw it in the video that we just watched, you'll see it online, you'll see it on, on whatever documentary you watch, is these phrases that come out each year, never forget, you know, always remember. And, and, and you say, well, why? Like, why those phrases? Why that thought process? Well, because remembering and never forgetting, it honors those who lost lives, yes. But it also reminds us of what's important now. You think about the different mindset 22 years ago. It's very easy 22 years later to not have that same mindset where we do find importance in things that really aren't that important. It gives, remembering, looking back, let's just say on a day like 9-11 that ultimately changed the course of history, really. We look back, we remember because it gives us perspective. It gives us a clearer perspective. This series that we're in, that we've been in since the beginning of the year, our year theme for Coastline is Next Level Living. What is Next Level Living? Next Level Living is doing whatever it takes to move forward and grow as a person, as a Christian. We've talked about having next level patience, uh, having next level uh, commitment, next level vision, next level love, next level compassion, and on and on. You can see the website, all of our sermons about taking our lives by the grace of God, not in our own strength and ability, but by the grace of God in our lives, taking us to the next level. And we look back on a day like September 11th, and we think of the phrase, and we think back and look back and honor those who gave their lives, not just those who lost their lives, yes, but those who willingly, I was just watching a documentary on on a discovery, uh, I don't know how old it is, but it's interviewing all the different fire captains and things like that. And I'm just, I'm telling you, emotionally, it's so heavy to listen to them talk, those who survived that day. And there's the footage of them in the bottom floor of the towers and getting ready to send people up to rescue. And they willingly went. They walked up, never, never to be seen again. We remember. We remember. And part of next level living is next level remembrance. Part of next level living, and today's message is on next level remembrance. As Christians, church, as Christians, there are things we must call to remembrance. There are things that we, we must look back on. And you say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Next level living. Listen, we're talking about resting in Jesus Christ. So maybe you say, well, I don't really know Jesus. Jesus came to earth. He died on a cross. He rose again for you. He loves you. He made a way for you to have a relationship with God the Father. That is what Jesus Christ did. 
He is the only hope for heaven. He is the only way to true peace. It's Jesus Christ. So next level living, again, it's not us just trying really hard to, to, to remember or to have compassion, but it's resting in Jesus Christ and letting him live through us, becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what next level living is. He wants to change your life. That's what Jesus is all about rescuing you and changing your life. I say that from personal experience of what he's done in my life. And in this message today, we're talking about looking back at some things. And as Christians, we're called to look back on some times and, and look back on some memories. And that looking back moves us forward. Like we said about September 11th, we look back because it changes our perspective. It reminds us of what's important. It makes us sometimes say, you know what? I've been too focused on this, this, this. I need to focus on my family. I need to focus on, on, on whatever it may be. Fill in the blank. What's more important? It changes our perspective. So we're going to go to the Bible today and look at the life of King David for just a brief moment this morning. 2 Samuel chapter nine. If you have your phone or a Bible and you want to turn there, the scriptures will be on the screen. It might be a little small for some people and that's okay. Second Samuel chapter nine and let's look at it together uh, in verse number one. It says, and David said, uh, oh, you know, before we read, let me give you some brief backstory um, because you're not going to, it's not going to make full sense if I just read the scriptures now. D king Saul was before King David. King Saul was chosen by God to be the king over the Israelites when they wanted a king. And uh, he was the king for a while, but then he began to sin and disobey God and not do what God had called him to do. And God uh, said, well, you know what? One day, David, this little shepherd boy, you've heard of David and Goliath, David is going to be king one day. Well, that caused jealousy and fear in the heart of Saul, who thought his kingdom was going to be taken away from him. There's story after story after story of Saul uh, um, trying to kill David and so that he couldn't take, have the kingdom taken away from him. Jealousy and fear often cause us to think and act irrationally. And that's exactly what Saul began to do. Saul began uh, to chase after David and try to kill him and try to capture him. Uh, King Saul had a son, Jonathan. And uh, before Saul hated David, uh, David and Jonathan became best friends, like brothers. And they were just the best of friends. Um, and that's how it was. Over time, uh, when King Saul was seeking to kill David, um, to make a long story short, in the end, God gave David the victory and the kingdom over time. And there's a lot of other backstory, but I want you to know that, that, that David was called by God to be king of Israel. Saul didn't like that, tried to kill him. But over time, through many series of events, God gave David that victory and David did become king. But before David became king, when Saul was kind of at the beginning of his pursuit of David, Jonathan didn't want to believe it. John's like, no, this is my dad. Like, he doesn't want to kill you. He's probably just, you know, having a bad day. And David's like, no, he wants to kill me. Jonathan goes to his father, King Saul, and begins to talk. And King Saul gets so angry and frustrated at uh, his son, Jonathan, for, for really, you know, defending David, that he tries to kill his own son, Jonathan. Tries to throw a javelin at him. So Jonathan's like, okay, David was right. <laughs> my dad does want to kill David. So David and Jonathan meet up secretly, and, and they make a covenant with each other. And you can find that in 1 Samuel chapter 20, David and Jonathan's covenant. They're promised to each other that they would always show kindness and mercy to each other's family for all time. Fast forward, Saul and Jonathan die in battle. And years later, when David was king, he remembered that covenant that he had made with Jonathan. And that's when we get to chapter 9. David is now king. Saul and Jonathan have both died. 
And we get to chapter 9, and the scriptures say this in verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Verse 3. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. Verse 4. And the king said unto him, Where is he? Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So David, obviously the Spirit of God brings a memory to him and he says, well, who can I show? Is there anyone left of the house of Saul, of Jonathan, that I can you know, keep my covenant with? I can show this kindness and mercy. And he goes to one of Saul's servants that still was there and says, hey, and he says, he does have a son. Jonathan has a son. And we'll see his name is Mephibosheth. He says he does have a son and he's in Lodabar. Lodabar was a town that literally means, uh, in, in, in that language, low meaning no, and debar meaning word or thing, and it literally means nothing, no thing, no word. Lodabar was just kind of, if we'd say, in the middle of nowhere. And this is where Mephibosheth, who, if you think about it, was a prince, was a son of the king, a grandson of the king, and his father was Jonathan, the son of the king. He was a prince, and now he's living in the middle of nowhere. The Bible says he's lame on his feet. What had happened was when they had heard that Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, the nurse of Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was only five years old when his father died, his nurse, in fear, began to run from the kingdom for her safety, drops Mephibosheth, and he is crippled in his feet. A very, very awful story for this young man, Mephibosheth. Fast forward, now we're about 18, uh, about nine, uh, how many years, how many years? He's 21 now, so however many years that is. 16 years later, we find David saying, hey, is there anyone I can show kindness to? And the servant says, there's a son, he's lame, Jonathan's son. Verse number five, we see, then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, this is this 21-year-old son of Jonathan who was crippled, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. David said unto him, verse 7, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Verse 8, and he bowed himself, Mephibosheth bows himself and says, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth had very low feelings, very low self-esteem, obviously. He had lost his father at a young age. He was crippled. And unfortunately, in those biblical times back in the day, being crippled was a sign of cursing, of a curse where people, they were the homeless ones. No one took care of them. And Mephibosheth is just this crippled 21-year-old man with no family, with really nothing, living in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly the king calls him. He's probably thinking, he's probably going to kill me. My, father, my grandfather was trying to kill him. And he says, I'm just a dead dog. I'm nobody. Verse 9, then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. In verse number 10, we see this. 
we see, Thou therefore, David's continuing to talk, Thou therefore and all thy sons, thy servants, shall till the land for him. Thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. He, said, he tells the servant, Hey, you and all your family can come move here. You can till the land of Saul. Uh, you can have it. And everything that comes belongs to Mephibosheth. In verse number uh, uh, 10, he continues, But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Verse 11, then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Verse 12, and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. Verse 13, the last verse, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. We see a beautiful story of grace in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We see David remembering this promise that he had made to Jonathan, seeking out any family. This crippled 21-year-old young man without a family, with nothing, he brings him in and says, you get to eat at my table as one of my sons. I promised your father I would take care of his family, and you are his family, and I'm taking care of you. And Mephibosheth obviously thought so low of himself. I'm just a dead dog. And David said, no, you'll eat at my table from, from now on. A beautiful story of mercy and grace and remembrance. David looked back at where he came from. He remembered his past. He remembered his relationship with Jonathan. He remembered that promise that he had made. He remembered that at one point, he was just a young shepherd boy with not much to offer. He remembered, he looked back at where he came from. He remembered who helped him. He remembered that it was Jonathan that delivered him out of the hand of his own father, King Saul, and, 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 and made a way for David to escape and be safe. He remembered who helped him. He remembered his purpose. David looked back and said, I did make that promise. That was a covenant that we made together and he remembered his purpose. And we serve a God, church, who keeps his promises. A God who always remembers. And this message, as we look at the life of David, it's a call to remembrance. It's a call to next level remembrance. So we're going to look at the life of David and, and these things that he remembered and make some application in our own lives and we'll be through this morning. Number one, as we talk about next level remembrance, Number one, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. It's very easy, it's so easy to become judgmental. It's so easy to think that we are better than some others. It's so easy to get cynical and really kind of see, never really trust anybody. It's easy to get cynical. It's so easy to forget who we once were, especially as Christians oftentimes. We think we get saved, we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, we begin attending church, we read our Bibles, we pray, and suddenly we think that we have it all together and that nobody else matters and that we're just the stuff. And that, man, man, I've, people are only as good as I am. No, 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 no. That's forgetting who we once were. We must remember where we came from. We must embrace our past with grace so we can face our future with grace. The more you recognize God's grace for your life and his forgiveness and love, the more apt you will be to pass that same grace and love and forgiveness to other people. See, I know myself, I know that, that I'm not perfect. I know that my past, uh, there's many things in my past that I regret, that I'm ashamed of, that I've had to seek forgiveness for. I know who I once was. I don't ever want to get to a point when I suddenly think that I have it all together. I have to remember where I came from. 
It is when we forget who we once were that we begin to treat others with judgment and disrespect and bitterness. The scriptures say in Romans 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are not better than anybody else. I am not better than anybody else. Next level remembrance always leads to next level grace. Because when we remember who we once were, man, we don't walk around with this uh, arrogance and pride of, look who I am. No, no, no. We recognize that aside from God, His grace and goodness, man, we're nothing. It's about Jesus in us. Stop and look back at who you once were. Stop and look back at who you once were. And I know if you're like me, you look back at who you once were and choices that you made and things that you thought and you may groan and feel ashamed of who you used to be. But let that healthy regret remind you of God's grace in your life. If somebody, would, oh, I don't want to talk about my past. I'll gladly talk about my past and my mistakes and failures. Because when I do, I'm reminded that God has brought me to this point now by his grace. Not because I'm amazing, because he's amazing, because he's gracious. Let that healthy regret remind you of God's grace in your life. And then with that grace that you receive from God, may we pour it out in the lives of others around us. If you remember who you once were and that God delivered you from yourself, and then you come across someone in your life or somebody that wrongs you or someone that's making poor choices or someone that you just, if you were thinking with your flesh and with your bad attitude, you're like, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe they made that choice. I can't. If we think about it through the eyes of God and, and through eyes of remembrance, we'll say, you know what? I was once there. Maybe instead of judging, I can reach out in love and grace and help them through this time in their life as they're growing. Remember where you came from. And don't forget it. What else, though? We see that David remembered that, but also David remembered who helped him along the way. Remember who helped you along the way. David remembered Jonathan. It was Jonathan that delivered him out of the hand of King Saul. It was Jonathan that was his best friend. I mean, there was such a great relationship. David remembered Jonathan. And may I ask you this morning, church, who have you forgotten? Who did God place in your life Maybe as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. Who did God place in your life that invested in you, that loved you, that taught you, that helped you grow, that cheered you on, that stood by you? Those people in your life, those moms and dads and grandparents and spouses and teachers and pastors and friends and brothers and sisters and etc. on and on and on. Those people are gifts from God. They are gifts from God. From God, And oftentimes in our lives, we forget that our successes are often team efforts. They're team efforts. I would not be who I am today without the people that God placed in my life. My mother and father, my mom, who just told me on the phone just a few days ago, said, I still pray for you every single day. I pray for you every single day, Donald. Man, that's a hero in my life. That's someone who got me to where I am today. My parents, my pastors growing up, friends that I've had, my wife. Remember who helped you along the way. Those people are gifts from God. Yes, all the glory ultimately goes to God first. We thank him for the people he placed in our life. But God uses people in our lives. I think of my parents. I think of my pastors. I think of people that just rooted for me. That just were on my side. That just cheered me on. And I remember when I remember what they did and how God used them, I take the opportunity to reach out and thank them again for how God used my life. 
Because when we get so busy, we, we start to really kind of think and act like it's us that's doing everything. When in reality, man, I wouldn't be standing up here without the people that invested in my life. I just wouldn't be. So when I'm reminded of those who invested in me, when I remember who has helped me along the way, it is those times when I need to practice next level remembrance and find that person and reach out to that person if they're still alive and, and thank them and say, you know, I just want to remind you, I know I haven't said in a while, thank you for your investment in my life. Maybe you don't talk to that person much anymore. Maybe that was a part of your life that you grew and distance sometimes just separates people, not for any bad reasons, but you just don't talk to them. And but God has, maybe God's bringing somebody to your memory right now that invested in you as a child or a teenager. You're like, I haven't talked to a person in 25 years. Man, I'm telling you, I would, I would encourage you to reach out and say, I just want to thank you for investing in my life. You were a gift from God in my life, and I'm recognizing that. Now, who do you need to reach out to? Who is God bringing to your memory? And with that memory of those who invested in you and cheered you on and rooted for you and invested and loved your life, with that memory, may we make the choice to be that person for somebody else. Because with next level remembrance, it's not just about remembering and thinking, but it's about taking what we remember and, and passing it along. I want to be that person for somebody else. I want to be, there's a great song that says, I want to be a part of somebody else's story. I want to be a part that, that I reach, not for any gain, personal gain, but just out of love and grace and a desire to help and to invest. Remember who helped you along the way with this next level remembrance. And lastly, this church. Remember, yes, where you came from. Remember who helped you along the way. And lastly, remember your purpose. Remember your purpose. David had a covenant he made. He had a covenant that he made, and he didn't forget about it. This was his purpose. I have to show kindness to the house of Jonathan. No matter how, I will find a way to show kindness to the house of Jonathan. That was his purpose. So what's yours? What has God called you to do? What has he asked you to do? What has he led you to do? And, and whatever that is, have you forgotten that? Have you allowed the busyness of our society and lives drown out your purpose? We think about, we just mentioned September 11th, how 22 years ago our country looked a lot different. Man, this tragic Occurrence happened in this, this moment of history in our country, just banded together, supported each other. Churches were full. People helped one another. There was just this patriotism that wasn't annoying, that wasn't, you know, pious. It was real. I mean, we, 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 we banded together. We, we, we served one another without question. But over time, we forget. And in our lives, for our purpose, have we allowed the busyness of life? And it does seem that 22 years later, life seems a little bit busier with all these, you know, social media and, and, and just everything just seems a lot crazier. We're buried in our phones all the time. I know I can be. But we have, have we allowed the busyness of society in our life to drown out our purpose? Do you even realize that you have purpose? Do you realize that no matter who you are today, 
in this room. There is a purpose for your life. God has plans for your life. And as cliche as that sounds, like God has plans for you, that's the truth. God has plans for your life. God has plans for your story. God has plans for your family. God has plans for your future. And God has plans for your life. Are you fulfilling it by his strength and grace? Or have you let other passions get in the way? Is God calling you to love more? Is God calling you to serve in the local church? Is God calling you to give more willingly and sacrificially to the work of God? Is God calling you to share your faith more openly? Is God calling you to make some hard choices? This morning, if you have forgotten, I urge you to ask God, as we have a moment of invitation and reflection, I, I, I urge you to ask God to remind you of your purpose. And when he reminds you, because he will, make the choice to live in that purpose. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.